This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by Ape Entertainment, who is proud to present the return of Drew Hayes' Poison Elves coming to a comic shop near you this March. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Magnum Pro's own world's greatest pop icon, Donnie Pepper Cricket, and you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt. Stop breaking my f***ing toys. Welcome to episode 109 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, March 27th. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not browbeating my personal shopper, Joe Patrick, for not bringing me all the comics I request, I write the Comic Speculator blog, wordboy.com, and just can't handle walking around with the peasants anymore. You know? I can't do it. So you gotta have me bring you your comics yeah, for you? Yeah. I want to be like the Howard Hughes of the comic shop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not doing it wrong, making constant excuses for my little failures, and getting yelled at for making fun of Matt Baum's idiot man-child toy that he paid way too much money for on eBay. That is Jet Jaguar, sir. Yep. Not an idiot yep. man-child toy. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. Oh, Jet Jaguar. Pock, pock, pock. Remember that? No. <laughs> this week, you'll hear reviews of East of West and Guardians of the Galaxy after that. We'll review 10 comics faster than we can forget all about college basketball and start getting pumped up for MLB's opening day during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where an interstellar cocktail will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, it's not just April Fool's weekend. It's also a fifth week here at THN. So we're counting down our favorite fools doing the THN Top 5 Comic Relief Character Countdown. That is a lot of hard C's. Yeah. But before we get to all the controversial BS, let's take a second to wave goodbye to the Defensive Marriage Act and pronounce ourselves nerd husbands, and then we'll talk about this week's big news. Before, we just had to have a nerd civil union. <laughs> yeah. We demand our gay nerd rights. <laughs> Late last week, DC Comics quietly announced Batman 66, a new digital first comic starting in July by writer Jeff Parker. The title will feature Mike Allred covers and rotating artists, beginning with Jonathan Case, artist of 2011's Green River Killer true crime graphic novel. Coinciding with a new push full of licensed products, Batman 66 will feature the Adam West Batman we know and love from the 60s TV show, along with his rogues gallery of celebrity villains and all the silliness that comes with it. As with all of DC's digital first offerings, Batman 66 will eventually see print. I have to say, the more I read about it, the more I think about it, the more excited I get. (laughs) I don't know why. Really? Yes. I could. Were you a fan of the Adam West Batman? No, I hated it. It was everything I hate about Batman. I like scary, terrifying, brooding I, Batman. Now listen, I get that's the Batman I prefer. Yeah, prefer. But there's there's room in my heart for like the goofy, silver agey, campy Batman. And I think it's nice that there's something coming out that's just all about fun. I was really hoping that this was an April Fool's Day joke. It's not. And DC was clever enough to be like, hey, check it out, dudes. And we'd all be like, what? And they'd be like, April Fool's. But no, it's real. It's real. And yeah, because. I'd- do not care. There's a huge like licensing push because now the rights to the Adam West Batman have kind of been untangled, and so now there's going to be a big marketing push with <laughs> who cares toys and DVDs. Or like who are they marketing this to? Kids? A lot of people still care. Kids aren't going to give a shit. Listen, <laughs> you're an angry old man. 
with a ridiculous beard, but the people on the internet, a lot of people are very excited about this book. Really? Because it looks super fun. I don't get it. I just don't get it and I don't care. Yeah, what you have a cold black heart. Yeah, but the last super fun book they had, the Superman family book, was super fun. No pun intended. Totally great. And guess what? Nobody read it and got canceled. No, that's a book for children. This is not a book a, for children. That was a book for everybody. Now you're the cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> in Marvel New... In what? In in Marvel News. Sorry. Oh. In Marvel News, Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso has announced that Marvel... Now! Wave 2 will launch this July and carry into 2014. While his announcement was full of exciting buzzwords, no titles like were announced. Synergize and Paradigm. <laughs> no titles were announced other than a weekly four-issue What If Avengers vs. X-Men series by Jimmy Palmiotti and Jorg Molina. <laughs> Boy, we sure haven't had enough Avengers vs. X-Men as of late, have right, we? Right, right. And an Age of Ultron spin-off series, Avengers AI by Sam Humphreys and Andre Lima. Araujo? Araujo. Sorry, Andre. Era Joe. Starring Hank Pym, The Vision, and several other robotic characters. So, Joe, what else are we hoping to see come out of Marvel Now Wave 2? What are we missing? Are we missing anything? You know, uh, what I want to see is a lot of chances taken with some of the lesser characters in the same vein that they put out a Morbius book. And, uh, you know, even though I'm not super in enthused about the Morbius book. I like that they're doing it and like giving X-Men legacy to Legion. I want to see the characters we don't see so often. Don't give me another Wolverine book. Don't give me another Spider-Man book. Power Man and Iron Fist. Power Man and Iron Fist. Yes. And that's already a rumor. Uh, like this would be a great time for Cloak and Dagger to come back. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, and that's the kind of stuff I want to see. I want to see Marvel expanding on like their B and C list catalog. I know that stuff's not necessarily a huge seller, but now is the time Take advantage of this marketing push and get some top-tier creators on it. I want a Falcon book. Sure. I want a Falcon, I a Falcon book, book. And I want a redesigned Falcon. I'm tired of the old costume. He, I want a redesigned, cool-looking Falcon. He hasn't worn the same costume for years. Eh, it's, it looks it, pretty similar. They it's reminiscent. It. Yeah, it's very reminiscent. But it's not the same, like, <laughs> fringe boots. <laughs> I want it redesigned. <laughs> I want the fringe boots back. Finally, IDW Editor-in-Chief Chris Ryall posted a very interesting and very cruel teaser image on his blog recently. The image was a painting of Rom Space Knight by artist J.K. Woodward with the words coming soon from IDW Publishing. <laughs> Ryle quickly pointed out that the image isn't any kind of announcement, but rather an if-only fantasy project. Ryle said, quote, I have never been able to unlock the rights to Rom Space Knight despite years of trying, but I don't give up easily. Now, Matt. I'm not sure I would be as excited about the idea of a ROM revival outside of Marvel. No, I'm not excited at all. ROM has to be in the Marvel Universe or I don't care. Yeah, and I know that that sounds weird, but Marvel really is responsible for everything that I like about ROM. Yeah, and he needs to be there, especially with like the new Guardians of the Galaxy and the new Nova and the big cosmic push. I don't think it was a better time for him to show back up, yeah. personally. It's like whenever Marvel tried to revive the Micronauts, yeah. but they can't use... Acro year, they can't use. Which just sucks. Yeah. Baron Karza. The only ones that can really touch are like Bug. They can use Bug and Commander Ran. Yeah. Like the characters they created, but it's like the Micronauts, but not quite. Uh, here's an update to a story we talked about last week. Uh, it has been announced that Quantum and Woody, the new Quantum and Woody revival by 
Valiant. Valiant is not by Christopher Priest and Mark Wright. It sucks. Uh, and nothing against the guys it's, it, that it is going to be produced by. It's by James Asmus and Tom Fowler. Who I like. Asmus both of whom good. I like. And I think Tom Fowler is a great uh, comedic artist. Uh, he's done a lot of fun stuff. He did Mysterious, The Unfathomable uh, with Jeff Parker. And I think that it will be fun. Yeah. It's just, just not the same. You know, it kind of took the wind out of my sails because I really, really wanted Christopher Priest and Mark Bright to come back to comics. Kind of a brutal bummer, but I do like Asmus, and I caught up on his Gambit recently. That's a really good book. You love Gambit. I do. He's just adorable. Cajun. Cute. Ow. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where you can find an adorable video of me as a 10-year-old spinning around a bow staff wearing a pink leotard, brown jacket, and blue head thing with crazy hair saying French stuff like, Ha ha, mon cher. And, Mes amis. Ratatouille. I was a Star Wars kid before being the Star Wars kid was cool. Man, you showed him. Yeah. Each week, I pity that fool Joe Patrick when he posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter. And we not only read your responses, but if you call us on the Skype, and our Skype name's pretty easy to remember, it's Two-Headed Nerd, and leave us a message, we'll play them all on the new Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe, what did we ask these fools this week? This week's question was, what obscure licensed property would you like to see make a comeback in comic form? Monchi cheese. If you want to hear us making fun of your answers, we never make fun of their answers. No. Along with our own uninformed responses, go to TwoEditNerd.com and check out the Not Safe for Walleyes unedited Answer of the Week audio blog. It is officially walleye season, by the way. My brother told me. I don't fish. I just eat it. Posting Wednesdays. Wednesday. Usually. If somebody remembers to tell me he finished the file. Oh, please. You could check. It's Review Dime on THN, where Matt and I force two of this week's comics into adult situations with brief nudity and graphic violence, and also some drug references. Yes. Matt, what comic did you choose to review this week? This week, I read Guardians of the Galaxy, number one, written by B.M. Bendis, with art by Steve McNiven. Guardians are back, and as it turns out, this might not be a reboot. Groot, Drax, the Destroyer, Rocket Raccoon, Gamora, and Star-Lord, they're all here. And only gently rebooted, if at all, like I said. Oh, Iron Man is here too with his new space armor with a mouth. And I don't really like. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's silly looking. I was a gigantic fan of the last Guardians iteration by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning and was terrified that this new one would discard everything they built. The good news is Marvel hasn't thrown the baby out with the bathwater, but this is a definite different feel for the Guardians. Peter Quill still seems like the same guy, gruff dry, mouthy, but his father is very present here, and even goes as far as to spell out why Peter is called Star-Lord. It's kind of clever. Mm. His dad also mentions something about Peter crawling out of the Cancer-verse, which directly looks back to Abnett and Lanning's story where him and Nova took on Thanos in the Cancer-verse. Yes. Oh, it was so good. It was. So good. We don't get much of an introduction to the rest of the team, but what we do see seems to jibe with what we've come to love about the Guardians. Rocket still has big guns. His buddy Groot still only says one sentence. Gamora is still the most dangerous woman in the galaxy, but wearing more clothes now, which is probably good because it's kind of silly to run around space in a weird V-thong that only covers your, <laughs> your nipples. And It is 
it is probably good. <laughs> it is probably good, but now she looks completely uninteresting. I don't mind it though. I just think it makes more sense. Like I don't care if she has a different costume, but she's wearing Mass Effect armor. It's very dull. I don't hate it. Now I will say Drax is still it. running around shirtless. Yeah, because he's Drax. <laughs> Truthfully, I miss Bug. Listen, I, I wish he was here. You keep saying that, but Bug has not been in the book for years. I get that, but I really liked it when he was, and I love the character, and I want him here. Like Abnett and Landing wrote him out of Guardians of the Galaxy almost immediately. Write him back in. I don't care. I love him and I want him here. I can have whatever I want. Okay, fine. Bendis does a wonderful job of writing his brand of snarky dialogue and seems genuinely thrilled to be writing Peter Quill. McNiven seems a little more relaxed here than usual, but not in a bad way. His panels are still pretty straightforward, but beautiful and exciting. He just doesn't seem to be overdrawing things like his work on Captain America. Which leads me to believe that maybe he's found a way to get things done faster. And I'm okay with that. Because hmm. it still looks maybe. really good. It's just not completely overdrawn. This was a fun read. Looks like it's going to be a great series. There's nothing groundbreaking here, but very solid comic book storytelling. I'm giving this a buy it. I'm excited for this series. I liked it too. I didn't like it as much as I liked the point one. Just because I really enjoyed the new take on Star Lord's origin, though I do I do enjoy seeing him interact with his dad. I kind of got the impression from the solicits that the dad would be the enemy. Uh, I didn't expect them to actually like meet and talk and, yeah, he and doesn't just have a conversation. Seem like such a he's bad just a guy. jerk. He's like, no, he's bad. Yeah, but I mean, like, not like a mustache twiddling evil guy. Like, well, and he might not even be bad. He may just be doing something that his son doesn't well, no, like. I, isn't he directly responsible for what happens at the end? I, you can't really tell. But I did really like the conversations. And he was like, Gamora, you're running around with the most dangerous woman in the universe. And he's like, jealous. And his dad's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, I liked the art. I... I'm not sold on the costumes. I just thought the old ones had more personality. I'm not saying Gamora has to run around in a bikini. Yeah. Yeah, but you are. Pervert. They had, they had personality. They had their own identities. And now, other than Drax, they look generic. Joe Patrick loves his green ladies. Well, yes, I do love my green ladies. <laughs> uh, this is good. Uh, we're off to a good start. I'm giving this a buy it as well. I'm not sure what about it keeps me from being head over heels in love with it like I was the old Guardians of the Galaxy, but well, the good we just news got is started. You're here. not a comic reviewer, so you don't have to spell that out. You can just go, eh. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> it's not my review. <laughs> so, Whatever. So that's true. Joe, what did you review this week? My pick for this week was East of West, number one from Image Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Nick Dragota, colors by Frank Martin. Not the ex-coach of uh, Kansas State by the way, that went to South Carolina. Not that Frank Martin. Negative. That guy's scary. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Out of the wasteland. The things that divide us are stronger than the things that unite us. A sci-fi western set in a dystopian America where all hope for the future rests in the four horsemen of the apocalypse who just happened to be trying to kill the president of the United States. Dun, dun, dun. What? So this is the new sci-fi post-apocalyptic western joint by Jonathan Hickman, and as per usual, I barely understood a word of it. East of West is set in an alternate America where the history of the nation was altered by prophecy and a well-timed comet strike. And so we flash forward, I guess, maybe. No, we definitely flash forward. All right. Uh, flash forward, we'll say, a number of years, and a group of murderous forces of nature are hunting the men who betrayed them. 
I love a lot of the elements in Hickman's story. Uh, the way, though, that he plays with time jumps and flashbacks left me very confused. At first, I thought I was sure that I understood who was who and which scenes were taking place in what time periods. But upon rereading the book, I'm not so sure. I, I looked at it a lot again last night as I was writing this review. I didn't feel like I had these problems. Yeah, uh, like I was almost certain that, you know, point A at the beginning of the book was in the past. It was. And then the modern, uh, the the stuff with the main characters was in the present or whatever. The, the, but and there was also a further past that was discussed. Like, not to spoil anything here, but the book opens with these three characters being born, and it appears they're being born where the comet struck. That was that, the, where the comet struck was where, like, the peace accord was signed. Right. The caption boxes don't make it exactly clear. It was, it, it seems like it's the past. It seems like the characters being born from this, this, uh, this site are the past versions of the characters we see later in the book. Yeah. But the way the captions describe the, uh, progression of time, I'm not 100% sure that that's accurate. Add in the fact that they don't exactly match up. I don't want to say too much without spoiling it. Say too much. I, I won't. Say too much. It's okay. L- listen, suffice it to say, I didn't quite grasp all of it. Okay. But I loved the individual moments. I loved the dialogue. Uh, it's tough as nails. Yeah. And it allows for several great moments that reminded me of Tombstone and Deadwood. Uh, with ray guns and weird mechanical right. and faceless horses. The historical revision here is awesome. Yeah, like the, really cool. The individual parts are great. Yeah. And I'm confident that if I keep up with it, Hickman will paint a picture by the end that I'll be able to look at and go, ah, I get it. Uh, aesthetically, the book is amazing. Yeah. Nick Dragota does a wonderful job on the art and his designs are beautiful. The, the layout is really cool, too. The way that Hickman lays out his books with big, like, open white spread pages that just, like, yeah, one like word Yeah, like the title the pages. Like, oh, man, it's just cool. Yeah. Nick Dragota has created a kind of Firefly-esque world where the future and the Wild West collide in a very satisfying way. It's, it's a lot of fun. The colors by Frank Martin add to the whole package from the washed-out palette of the flashback scenes to the way the stark black and white of our mysterious gunman and his companions stand against the vibrance of the rest of the world. Overall, I liked it a lot. It's visually stunning. And like I said, I'm confident that Hickman will answer any questions I have along the way. While I may not have understood it fully, I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I think it's going to be a great ride. I'm giving it a buy it. I didn't understand it fully either, but that's not Hickman's style. We you wrap your head around his stuff slowly. I really like the idea of the United States is split into eight different areas ruled by... You know, like one seems to be ruled by the Europeans that came in, one by the Indians. The Republic of Texas. Yeah, like yeah. one by the Asians that like helped build the railroad and stuff like that. And they're all sort of like in this tense relationship. They obviously did something or know something horrible that brought them all together. It has something to do with the comet and something to do with the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse. So I don't know if they made a deal with the devil or whatever, but it's going to be bad. Yeah. It- it's going to be really interesting. Nick Dragota has never looked this beautiful wonderful i loved it i thought the art was just beautiful it was creepy when it needed to be creepy this is going to be a fun book i'm saying buy it 
double buy. That is a double buy it for the Guardians of the Galaxy number one and a double buy it for East of West number one, even though Joe Patrick couldn't understand it. I'm a dummy. Of course, we want to know what you hard bringers of doom and space bastards <laughs> thought of these comics, so kick us where it counts and let us know your opinions of these comics over the comment section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Curtis Blow wrote the greatest basketball song of all time, and not long after, the 1986 Chicago Bears laid the Super Bowl shuffle to wax, securing football's rap status. So why is the best baseball song I can think of Centerfield by John Fogart? I hate that song. And damn it, can't we all agree that that song is awful? It's an awful song. So this week, Matt and I have come up with some nasty MLB rhymes that will whip off our tongues with fushnikin speed, so put your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care, and listen to the MLB sound we's laying down. All while we're reviewing 10 comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. It rhymes! I got it. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Honey Badger versus the world Antarctic Press. I honestly don't know who this is for. Maybe fans of Sonic the Hedgehog, Snarky Anime, and ADHD. There was no story. There was a Honey Badger, which is almost a forgotten internet meme at this point. So I'm not sure why we're still getting these comics. And he would certainly know all your base are belong to us. Leave it. <laughs> Garth Ennis, Red Team, number two, Dynamite. Uh, you may recall I did not love the first issue of this, but it's kind of warming on me. I, I Maybe I'm just in a different mood maybe when I read it, or maybe uh, I'm just getting a better feel for the story. Were you on the toilet when you read this one? No. Okay, that could have something to do with it. Oh, wait, I was on the toilet oh, when okay, I read okay. this one. <laughs> I'll let Legend Comics and Coffee customers guess which copy it was. (laughs) Uh, I'm liking it a lot better. The art is gorgeous. The art is very, very good. And it's not like over-the-top outrageous like Garth Ennis can sometimes be. It's just very serious drama. He seems to be really reserved when he does his his, work on. You know what? I'm giving this one a buy it. it, I liked this a lot better the second time around. BPRD Vampire number one from Dark Horse. This one takes place in 1948, so you really don't need to be caught up on, BR- on BPRD to but follow it along. It is a direct sequel to BPRD 1948. 1948, yeah, but I'm saying the like current stuff right. that's going on. The story follows Agent Anders on his quest for revenge against a group of vampires. Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba on art duties here, and as usual, they are amazing. They might be the best art team working in comics now. It was creepy, it was gross, it was beautiful to look at. I love this. Buy it! Uncanny Avengers number five from Marvel. I like this comic even more every time it comes out. Wonder Man and the Wasp come back to the Avengers to help them with their uh, difficult PR image, <laughs> considering they're on a team with uh, Cyclops' brother and the Scarlet Witch, who has more than once tried to destroy the Earth. And Wonder Man, who freaked out for no reason and tried to destroy the yeah, Avengers. Yeah, but we're moving past that, <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Uh, this is a guest uh, fill-in guest art by Olivier Coipel. It is gorgeous. And a lot of the elements from Remender's Uncanny X-Force are starting to creep in. Love it. Giving it a huge buy. Superior Spider-Man number six, AU from Marvel. Turns out Spidey is still Doc Ock in the Ultron-verse, and this little one-shot does a nice job of explaining why he's still pretending to be Pete in Age of Ultron, a story that Bendis wrote five years ago. I talked a bunch of smack about him on the latest Captain Marvel series, but artist Dexter Soy has totally redeemed himself. He looks fantastic here. That said, if you're just reading Age of Ultron, you really don't need to read this one. Skip it. 
But it is a regular issue of Superior Spider-Man. I suppose. Yeah. But it's not going to have anything to do with the, other, the rest of the series. Probably. I'll tell you that much. Fantastic Four number five. Also AU. Marvel. Uh, this is... Uh, I'll tell you what. I have not read the last two or three issues of Remender's or Fraction's Fantastic Four. Which isn't to say I don't like it. I do like it. I just got behind. I think it's just okay. I, I enjoy it. It's not. It's nothing on the level Hickman did, no, but no, no, it's no, still no. fun. It's still fun and good. It's fun. And I enjoy it. This issue, you can pick it up completely. It's separate, other than the, the main premise of the book, which is that they are on space vacation. I have not read it yet. Does it reveal anything about why the Age of Ultron is happening? Or where it's happening? Or when? No. Because they are not my own mind. They are not on Earth when they get the distress call. They come back to the present, leaving Franklin and Valeria behind. Whoops! This was a great issue. It had fill-in art by Andre Araujo, or however we're pronouncing it. Andre, call us on Skype and tell us how to say your name. (laughs) The guy that's doing Avengers AI, and it was beautiful. Cool. Beautiful, touching. I loved it. Huge buy it as a tie-in. It is wonderful. Cool. Sorry, I had to switch. Dragon Age, Until We Sleep, number one from Dark Horse. This is written by head Dragon Age writer David Gator, maybe? This one Gator. follows my favorite character from the game, Varric, and it's beautifully drawn by Chad Harden, a name I don't recognize. He's really good. If you love Dragon Age games as much as I do, buy it. If you don't, buy it anyway. This is quality fantasy storytelling from Dark Horse. Really good stuff here. Buy it. Mr. X, Hard Candy, One Shot, Dark Horse. Mr. X is one of those indie comics from years past that I remember seeing but never bothered to try. Dean Motter. It's by Dean Motter. Uh, this is kind of a Mr. X revival, reprinting, as always, from Dark Horse Presents. If you haven't read it, it's new to you. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's kind of a weird future noir art deco German expressionist <laughs> mashup. Sort of, yeah. He's yeah. an architect in a city with a lot of secrets that was designed to hide certain secrets. Yeah, and like staying in the city for any length of time drives you crazy. Yes. And he's addicted to weird brain chemicals that help him function. It's very weird, but it's a fun kind of hard-boiled detective story. Yeah, it's good. I love Mr. Uh, I liked it a lot. I'd be willing to read more Mr. X. This is my first exposure. You should. Mr. So, X is fantastic. Yeah, stuff. but you don't need to know anything about Mr. X to enjoy it, so I'm giving it a buy it. Journey into Mystery number 650 from Marvel. Catherine Immerman is writing some of her best stuff yet here following Lady Sif on her return to Asgard. She's established Sif as Marvel's slightly more badass Wonder Woman, and I love it. The art by Valerio Shitty is amazing. <laughs> Is amazing and also better than anything I've seen from him slash her. Him. him. Hilario. Did we set the he a man? Yeah, he a man. He a man. Pick up this comic. It is fantastic. Buy it. Mark Wade's Green Hornet number one from Dynamite. Uh, I don't give two shit about the Green Hornet. I don't think I do either, man. You I take a name like Mark Wade and put it on there, we should be like, cool, here we go. If you're going to care about Green Hornet, you're going to care now. Yeah, and it's not that this its not that this wasn't very good. It's very well written. Mm-hmm. It's got decent art by Daniel uh, Daniel Indro. He's getting better, I might add. Indro, every time I see stuff from him, he gets better. Yeah, it, it's its well told. Uh, it, it's got its It's got a weird kind of disconnect because the Green Hornet is narrating it himself from the future. So he's talking about smartphones and stuff. I'm thinking, how old is he? (laughs) He's 900. (laughs) But uh, if Mark Wade can't get me, like, enthusiastic about the Green Hornet, maybe the character's just not for me and I should stop trying. I'm giving it a skim it because it's very well done. I should have read it on the toilet. Fair enough. That might have helped. Yeah.
That is your ludicrous speed round, and is the sound made by a Tyrannosaurus Rex dropped from the sky, landing on the ground in front of the honey badger, as seen in this week's Honey Badger vs. the World number one. Don't ask, because I have no idea why it was there. <laughs> okay. There's only one bartender sexy enough to serve us drinks in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and his name is Star Fox. Yeah. Not only is he good looking, but dude knows how to stir up a perfect Daxamite brandy with a splash of Badoon blood and just a hint of heart-shaped herb served over a perfectly spherical ice ball with shavings of the gem of Cytorak in the center. A cocktail like this isn't just a perfect digestif, but its psychotropic properties will give us the foresight needed to peer into the future of next week's comics. I'm going to put echo on that. It's going to be red. Cool. Joe Patrick, a ring-a-ding-ding, what will you be reading next week? That's, My- that's you jingling your, you know, a ring-a-ding-ding. That's oh, you, you know. <laughs> okay, got it. It's the sound of an empty glass. Fill it up. My pick for next week is Action Comics number 19 from DC Comics, written by Andy Diggle. Okay. With art by Tony Daniel. Let's admit it. It's not because I'm excited about it. It's because I'm super curious to see what happens. Morbidly curious. Here's your solicit. Lex Luthor is in jail, and his battlesuit is back in action. But if he's not wearing it, who is? I don't even know if that's the accurate solicit. Yeah, probably not. Because his first issue got pushed back like twice. This is so weird because it's like we heard that Andy Diggle was in a major car accident. DC filmed it and they're about to show it to us. (laughs) You know know what I mean? And he's just like, oh, God, should I even look at this? But yeah, I have to look. I I don't care. We should mention that last week on the show we discussed that Andy Diggle had announced he was leaving the title before his first issue hit the stands. That's why we're laughing about it now. Hey, he was—he's not in a car accident. I hope he's okay. <laughs> if they didn't listen to it last week, they don't need to be filled in. I'm just saying, this is how we up our ratings. Fill know? in the gaps on your own. Go download last week's episode. Just, it's like an editor's note. Oh, okay. S- see episode 108. If you put it that way, then I am out. I'm on board. Know it all, Nathan, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what are you reading next week? Next week. I Stole Thanos Rising, number one, from Marvel, right out from under Joe Patrick's big old butt. Thanks a lot. This one is written by Jason Aaron, with art by the completely insane Simone Bianchi. Here's your solicit. The vile face left movie audiences in shock after last summer's Marvel Studios' The Avengers movie. But who is this eerily disturbing villain? I would say more people turned to me and went, Matt, who's that guy? (laughs) True story. (laughs) When we saw The Avengers movie... I was sitting next to occasional guest host Dave DeMarco and some guy behind us that had been talking the entire time loudly piped up and said, Who's that guy? Is that Dr. Doom? (laughs) (laughs) Thanos rises as the unrivaled rogue of wretchedness in this gripping tale of tragedy, deceit, and destiny. Where did this demigod of death and destruction come from? And dot dot dot, more importantly... What does he want? Question mark. What? I love saying <laughs> pronunciation. I don't know why. I can't think of anybody better to draw something as crazy and cosmic as this as Simone Bianchi, and I kind of wish he would leave Earth alone <laughs> when he's just drawing normal comics. It's almost just too distracting how strange his art is. This one's going to be a ton of fun. The THN Trade Paperback Pick of the Week for Wednesday... April 3rd is the Punk Rock Jesus trade paperback by Sean Murphy from DC's Life Vertical. 
Here's your solicit, and it's a long one. A reality TV show starring a clone of Jesus Christ causes chaos across the U.S. of the near future in Punk Rock Jesus. A new title collecting the six-issue miniseries with ten new story pages. What? Religious zealots either love or hate the show. Angry politicians worry about its influence on the nation. And members of the scientific community fear the implications of cloning a human being at all, let alone the Son of God. And what effect will this all have on Gwen, the young woman who was selected through an American Idol-style process to be the mother of the new messiah? All this leads to the hiring of Thomas McHale, the clone's bodyguard and former IRA operative with a turbulent past who must protect the new messiah, a baby who captivates the world but grows up to become an angry teenager. This is some of the best black and white art I've ever seen. Sean Murphy is amazing. Hmm. Pick this up. It is so much fun. It's offensive. It's great. It's well written. <laughs> I loved this book. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week. So be sure to tell us about your favorite interstellar cocktails and what you're excited for next week. I think I just said that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Quality writing, folks, over at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash two headed nerd. I'm not even going right. to give you any crap. That joke's gone. We're just nailing it now. Nailing it. Before we move on, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. The Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast was brought to you by Ape Entertainment. Since 2003, Ape has been bringing readers original and licensed comics and graphic novels like Pocket Gods, Strawberry Shortcake, and the upcoming return of Drew Hayes' Poison Elves, which continues the saga where it abruptly ended back in 2007. Look for Poison Elves, available at a comic book store near you now. Check out ape-entertainment.com for more. Thanks again to Ape Entertainment for sponsoring THN. And if you would like more information about sponsoring the show, send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com with the subject line, Sponsorship. Every once in a great while, the planets align, comets change direction, the Easter Bunny picks a perfect March Madness bracket, and a month has five weeks instead of four. Oh my damn. And when said fifth week occurs, we here at THN have no choice but to celebrate with a fifth week event. This fifth week, we'll be counting down our top five favorite comic book comic relief characters in honor of April Fool's Day, Matt Bomb. What is your... Matt Bomb, who is your number five comic book funny guy? Number five, I am going with Volstag. From Asgard, Volstag the Voluminous. Matt Fraction's Volstag in particular. A lot of people say that Fraction was too snarky on Thor. I totally disagree, and I loved the way he wrote Volstag. It was absolutely hilarious. They play it up, how he's always hungry. He's in Broxton, like invading the diner every morning and eating stacks of pancakes while talking with all the people of Oklahoma around him. He was just wonderful. Sometimes he's Asgard's chief scientist. Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. And it just his story in Thor was so heavy and so dramatic that it needed that balance, that some type of comic relief, and Volstagg was just wonderful in the role. He's my number five. Joe Patrick, who is your number five? You know, I struggled with my number five. Like, the, the four through one, no problem. Yeah? But my number five, I felt dirty. I felt dirty giving it to him, but... You're gonna say Deadpool. I gave it to Deadpool. Uh... I gave it to Deadpool, but then, but then because I felt guilty about it, I said, tied with Machine Man from Next Wave. Okay. Now, I would say on the strength of Joe Casey and Christopher Priest Deadpool, 
Joe Kelly. But yes. Pardon me. Joe Kelly and Christopher Priest, Deadpool? I know. Absolutely. That's why I'm giving it to Deadpool. This is before Deadpool turned into Bugs Bunny, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like the current series by uh, Brian Posehn and, and Jerry Duggan. I like it too. It's still just a little too wackadoo yeah, for me. Yeah, but I, what I think of when I think of the Deadpool I love is the stuff from the late 90s Yeah, by Joe Kelly, Ed McGinnis, and then later Christopher Priest. When he was living with, uh, was it Python and Titana? Oh, that was later on. Yeah, he was living. <laughs> yeah. He was living with um, uh, Titania and the Constrictor. The Constrictor. That was it, and it was just <laughs> awesome. It was like a threes company. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, this uh, Joe Kelly series was about him trying to step into the role of the hero of a prophecy. And oh, yeah. really, ultimately, what it led to was that they just needed him to murder something. <laughs> so not only was it funny and hilarious, but it was Deadpool as a real character that was actually like, when it got when it came time to it and he had to do what needed to be done, he was kind of sad that that's all they wanted him for. Yeah. You know, he wanted to be better. Uh, I also love Rick Remender's Deadpool in the context of the team, Uncanny X. Oh yeah, he wrote, he written really well there. Uh, uh, very funny, still crazy, but like a good yeah, balance. But but yeah, but not like you said, not like a cartoon character, right. not talking to multiple voices in his head. Right. He gets my top five honorable mention. Warren Ellis is a machine man from oh, Next yeah. Wave, I loved who him. is hilarious. Loved him. Give me your number four. My number four goes to the Moloid kids from FF, also written by Matt Fraction. <laughs> they are a Adorable. There's two of them that are just normal moloids, and then one is a head in a little like flying saucer, basically. <laughs> and they love Ben Grimm. Like they worship him because he saved them during a story that Hickman wrote mm-hmm. and brought them back to New York. And so they constantly follow around calling him the Ben. The Ben. And talking about how nothing can defeat the Ben. And now they're obsessed with She Hulk. Yeah, they call the Jen. They, they call the Jen and they're madly in love with her. <laughs> and like they're the, trying to sabotage dates. The last issue was all was them following around the son of the or the clone of the wizard trying to ruin her date. With uh, uh, white wing with foot. white wingfoot, and instead they just made it like the best night ever for <laughs> an accident. Yes. It, it, they're just hilarious, and I love them. Joe Patrick, who is your number four? My number four goes to Ambush Bug from DC. Fair enough. I have always been a huge fan of Ambush Bug, the only character in DC Comics to know he's a comic book character. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. He breaks the fourth wall all the time, constantly. <laughs> uh, his if you haven't read his old. Uh, minis from the 80s uh, written by Robert Lauren Fleming with art by Keith Giffen. I'm sure they're co-written by Keith Giffen as well. Uh, Yeah, they are. So, so good and mocking of the DC history at the time. It's a lot of stuff that you might not understand if you were a newer fan, but for somebody like me, an old guy like me, yeah. like making jokes about Julius Schwartz and uh, a lot of Johnny humor. DC, the continuity cop, <laughs> it, it's stuff that I really, really love. And then in his incontinuity stories, or stories that were in continuity at the time, where he plays off straight men like uh, Superman, like Superman or the Legion of Superheroes, right. it's just hilarious. One of my favorite comics of all time is an issue of DC Comics Presents uh, by Keith Giffen, where Ambush Bug accidentally hitches a ride on Superman into the future. <laughs> and they have to spend the entire issue keeping him away from the Superman Museum. <laughs> Because it's full of stuff that's just like Clark Kent, right. a.k.a. Superman, <laughs> because a thousand years from now, who cares? It's really funny. I love Ambush Bug. I, I like that they're kind of using him in those fun little backups 
the 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 new fifty two news crew, whatever the hell they're called. He's my number four. Matt Bomb, what's your number three? My number three also goes to a DC character. I am going with Skeets, the dry, humorless, sarcastic robot that was supposed to be Booster Gold's sidekick, but really never helped him with much. Written by Keith Giffen and J.M. Dematius. He was like Booster Gold's hype man. Yeah, well, he was supposed to be, but he was just like so dry and so sarcastic. Booster Gold would be like, come on, this is a job for the Justice League Europe. And... Skeets would be like, yes, of course, sir. No one could be better suited for the task than you. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> it's like Skeets knows that Booster Gold is a faker, basically, from the future, but is due to his programming, can't tell everybody that he's a liar, so he's just kind of a jerk to Booster. <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful stuff. Super dry, excellent book written. Again, Keith Giffen, J.M. Dematius. Giffen's name's popping up a lot in this discussion. Yeah, he's Joe, a funny guy. Joe Patrick, what is your number three? Along those same lines, my number three might be cheating, but it goes to the duo of Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold oh, fair from I'll Justice you, League International. I'll give you a duo. I like it. Because they're not, I mean, separately they're fine, no, but, but they together were, they they're They were Laurel hilarious. and Hardy, you know? They were the Smothers Brothers. Uh, they made, they are what made Giffen and Demon Justice League from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, the wonderful comedy that it was. Uh, the other characters are great. But it was the interplay between these two guys that really made the book sing. And that's why people like me get so bent out of shape when uh, they bring up Ted Kord and him getting shot in the face. Yep. <laughs> uh, I want the new 52 to bring back, like, what's stopping them? Bring back Ted Kord. You've got Blue. Yeah, I mean, why got not? Booster Gold. You can still have Jaime Reyes running around. Sure. Ted Cord could teach him how to be Blue Beetle. It's not like Infinite Crisis is still in continuity. No. You don't need to have his death in there. No. But yeah, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, my number three, Matt Bomb. What is your number two comic relief character? My number two also goes to a group, the Yancey Street Gang. The gang that has plagued Ben Grimm all his life with constant jokes, practical jokes, humiliation and you never get to see them my favorite part about the yancey street gang is it's always like elbows and feet running off panel well yeah. like the thing is stepping on a flaming bag full of poop or something sure <laughs> and they just mercilessly taunt him for no reason other than the fact that they're kids and they know it pisses him off well and they're like <laughs> you know they're like we know you're from the neighborhood. What are you, too big for your britches, big time superhero guy? <laughs> yeah. So they're they're giving him the business. Right, more or less. But the business is like this ridiculous 1950s little rascal type business. Yeah, it's very like <laughs> pranks and, yeah. uh, you know, like uh, filling filling the fantastic car full of water balloons or, you know, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. It's like ridiculous. I, and crap. that's why we, uh, we were kind of down on fractions first fantastic four yeah because like all of a sudden they had like an underground fight they gang showed too much yeah i don't want to see the, the yancey yeah. street gang i want to see like a baseball cap flying off like the back of a head yeah and someone's running away and the like, thing's a, like, a, like an untied shoelace coming from out of cursed kids i'm gonna get my hands on you yeah and he always <laughs> always always needs to lose against them yeah always he should never get over in the yancey street gang joe patrick what is your number two my number two comic relief character is The Tick. Ben Edlund's The Tick. I did from... not even think about The Tick. Oh, yeah, man. God. It was a no-brainer for me. Shame on me. I'm a huge, huge fan of The Tick going all the way back. Uh, I first... I remember seeing ads for his comic 
in other comics and wondering what the hell's up with that guy. And but it wasn't until the '90s when uh, his cartoon hit the air that I became obsessed with the tick. Yeah, and tracked down the back issues of the Edlin series from the uh, late '80s, and it's wonderful, hilarious comedy. The other stuff that came later that wasn't by him is good, not as good. But the 10 or 11 issues that he produced are pure comic gold. And Paul the Samurai, too. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I'm going to discount your pick. If we're going for comic relief, thinking of a funny character in a serious book. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I didn't go with the tick, because I was like, that's just pure comedy. The same reason I didn't go with like the Flaming Carrot, who I love. Or Reed Fleming, the world's angriest milkman, who Fair, I also love. Fair enough. I guess I, I... I'm not saying you're wrong. I kind of ignored the comic relief part of it okay. and just went with funny comic book characters. I'm going... I was thinking straight comic relief. Like That's fine. Some heavy shit, man. We better have somebody come in here and like use a farty whoopee cushion or something. <laughs> It'll yeah. lighten the mood a little. Well, that's fair enough. For me, The Tick is on my... High on my list of all-time funniest comic book characters. Fair enough. That's why he gets a spot on this list. And... If you want me to quantify it in the terms of this no, list, no. Arthur is the straight man and, and the tick is the goofus. Sure, sure. So, yeah, it's the it's like one of the few instances where I can think of that the character, the the cartoon, uh, the licensed property that spawned from the comic in some cases is even better than the comic agreed. where it came from. Totally agree. It's very, very strong. It's all come down to this. Matt Bomb. Give me your number one. I instantly knew my number one. I struggled with some of the rest of these. And while reading it, I even moved it around a little Matt bit. Matt Bomb, hit me with your number one. My number one is Spider-Man. The original wisecracking superhero, Spider-Man. He's always been funny, no matter who's been writing him. I love his ridiculous banter. I love that he's always kept it clean and like even tells bad jokes sometimes. <laughs> and the people he's fighting are just like, oh god, that's what <laughs> like, I, that, that makes it that makes it funnier for me. Yeah, it makes it even better because like he's he's a nerd. He's a wise cracking nerd, and he's trying to be cool and everything. But at the end of the day, he's just a nerd. <laughs> Not everything he says is really funny. And I just, I've always loved Wisecracking Spidey. I still love Superior Spider-Man right now with Doc Ock in the role, but I will say it has lost something for me. Without the Wisecracking Peter Parker, he's there a little bit, the ghost sure, of him. But we all there. know that this is just a, a storyline. Right. And we so. know it's temporary in the storyline. Spider-Man is my number one comic S relief character. Spider-Man's my number one too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. We came, we came together. That's right. Yeah. Our number ones touched each other. Yes. We came around the corner and our number ones bumped into each other. God. <laughs> Just for a second. Spider-Man. only kind of weird. Tied for number one on both your lists. By the way, we're both wearing Incredible Hulk t-shirts today. Yeah. Incredible Hulk is not funny. Totally unplanned, <laughs> I might say. I don't know what's going on here. This is ridiculous. We're simpatico. So that is our top five comic relief characters of course we want to know your favorite comic relief characters hit us up over facebook and tell us who you think tells the funniest fart jokes sort of break it break it down like this and that is it for the pitying april fools episode of thn if two nerds that wish they were mr t talking comics and making wiener jokes is your idea of funny you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where? If you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating and a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. Huge thanks to all of our donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in cutoff jean jackets and a load of gold necklaces, 
You can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at twitternerd.com. It's right there. It's the cutest. All you have to do is click it. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, which is at TwoHeadedNerd, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, no spaces, all one word, and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail, leave us a voice message, or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, smoke signal, whatever. And don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoHeadedNerd.com, including ludicrous speed reviews from Aaron Myers, who we don't always agree with, but we can both agree it sure is fun to make fun of his cute little opinions. Yes. Right? Yeah. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. If you want to hear even more of your answers and our own, be sure to check out the newly revamped TwoHeadedNerd.com web-exclusive Not Safe for Wonder Man audio blog, the new and improved answer of the week. I just remembered. Wonder Man. <laughs> Wonder Man. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, no, no, he saved, like, busty girls and, yeah. and used his powers to get, like, oh, it was uh, TV Funhouse. It might not have even been Wonder Man. It was TV Funhouse. Was it Wonder Man? It was Wonder Man. <laughs> Wonder Man. <laughs> Next week, it's time for a rotating first of the month segment where, as of today, we have nothing planned. Yeah! So if you'd like to intern for THN as our show planner, hit us up as long as you're willing to work for high fives and accept corporal punishment. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Captain James T. Kirk. Last week was Billy Shatner's birthday. And like true Trekkies, DJ and I forgot. Word to you, Kirk unit, and happy belated birthday from THN. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. He loves green ladies, too. He does love his green ladies. Yeah. Yeah.